Hey friends, it's Ashley Stahl here as usual. And I have been really, I don't want to say I've been afraid to share on this episode, but I've been feeling like it's such an edge for me to talk about what I want to talk about today with you. And it is walking that line between what feels personal to me and what feels private. And I was compelled to share with you on this episode about the state of my own mental health and the truth of what I've been experiencing in hopes that it helps at least one person listening to this episode and just makes you see things a little bit differently. So I want to talk about depression, anxiety, taking medication for these things, and some awareness that I've had about that. So Working in the self-help space past decade, I feel like I've seen time and time again that a lot of low-grade depression, low-grade anxiety can be healed through mindset work, through meditation, all of these less invasive modalities that are so meaningful, so worthwhile, so natural and valuable. And I've also seen how real it is the benefits of getting medication when your body needs help regulating. So I want to share how this has played a role in my life because I have a feeling that there's at least a handful of you listening. Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody you know where, you know, you need help and it's beyond a therapy session. And let's just take a look at the statistics. Right now, one out of 10 adults in the United States has depression It's the leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. And it's the primary reason why someone dies of suicide about every 12 minutes. So if you look at your watch, by the end of this solo cast, someone will have committed suicide. And I don't mean to be heavy, but I do value really looking at the truth. And there's also an element of depression in the workplace. You know, 490 million disability days a year in the United States are due to depression. I can't even go on about the $23 billion lost for the workforce. So it's in corporations' interest to care about this, obviously. And I think that ever since COVID began, there is more of a conversation about it, which is so wonderful to see. And it just helps, it hurts people internationally. And then there's also that other nuanced level of bipolar disorder, which affects, you know, two to three percent of the US adult population. And, you know, there's postpartum depression. I've seen that 15% of women shortly before or any time after birth go through this spiral of depression. Having your hormones dysregulated is so real, the impact it has on your body, your being, the quality of your thoughts, the quality of your life. And I could just go on and on, even having worked in national security, the amount of veterans who have PTSD. And then, of course, there's general anxiety disorder. Most people I know have some form of anxiety, whether it's low grade or a lot stronger. And I would love for you to just rate yourself right now, one through 10, of, you know, 10 being like severe crippling anxiety. And one being like you're human and there's little stresses. I would just love for you to kind of take a look at where do you actually think you fall on the spectrum? And maybe even considering after this episode, asking somebody in your life that is close to you, one through 10, how would they rate you with anxiety? And anxiety can look like a lot of sneaky things. It can also look like control. It can look like 
Like, for example, my mom, she does this thing that my dad and I call jawboning, where like, I'll tell her what I'm going to do. And she'll be like, well, you're not going to do that. And I'll be like, yeah, I am. And my dad's like, stop jawboning. And she's, she's like, I'm not. And what it is, is it's the desire to control. And I have a very good mom, a very fun mom, a very sweet mom. And this is how her anxiety shows up. Um, anxiety can be showing up in your relationship where you are pretending to be a certain way out of fear that you're going to lose someone. So it shows up when you have fear of loss and it can morph how you behave. It can show up as being very planned, like that's a sense of control, like you love plans because without them you feel anxiety. It can show up as hyperventilating or odd physical habits that, you know, they feel odd to you. I had a client who vulnerably shared with me that it shows up when she's eating with people and it's not about food, it's not about an eating disorder, it's it's like there's this lump in her throat that she feels from uh, a lot that she's going through and that lump becomes very present when she has to eat. It's hard for her to swallow. Um, And so in my case, anxiety began in 2008, or at least it started to hit my awareness. I was going to study abroad during that time. And up until only recently did I realize the anxiety I was experiencing at that time was not from studying abroad. So I thought it was because I was a homebody and I was moving to France for at least six months And I'm fluent in French. I don't know if I talk about that on this podcast, but I'm bilingual. And it was a whole nother level for me to be going to a French university and taking advanced courses in French. And I also loved my home. I loved my parents. I loved being with them. So I started hyperventilating. And I didn't really know what was going on. Like I would take a breath like this. It would sound like... like that, but it would, I couldn't catch my breath. And so it kept happening over and over. And there was this moment where I was getting a haircut and my hairstylist said, you are like hyperventilating. And my mom commented and said she'd been noticing that. And so I ended up going to the hospital, not like in an urgent ER kind of thing, but in a, let me go get some tests run. Maybe there's something wrong with my lungs sort of a thing. And after like five different stress tests, health tests, heart tests sort of things, it ended with a doctor sitting me down and saying, have you ever thought about seeing a therapist? And that was my beginning of going to therapy. And I remember saying, are you kidding me? Like, this is why I'm breathing like this. I have something going on in my head. And so originally I went to the therapist thinking I was processing not living close to home and being, you know, in my early 20s and being scared. And now looking back, I realized that in, I think it's chapter three or five of the U-turn book, I talk about being molested by a boy that I had known my whole life when I was a kid. And it happened when I was around seven years old. And the way that the brain can work when you experience trauma is it can suppress the memory of it. And so I literally forgot it happened, but my body remembered because whenever I was around that person as a kid, I had extreme anxiety. Like it felt like my skin was crawling looking back and I wasn't nice to him. And people would always say, why aren't you being nice? And it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I had this crazy dream of it happening. But when I woke up, it felt like it was real. And, and it was like the whole memory of the event came back Oh, deep breath, just talking about it. So looking back during that time in my life, I think it wasn't about me studying abroad. It was about me starting to process the molestation. And what's key about this is that anxiety can trickle into your life 
in unexpected ways, right? Like it showed up in my career, it showed up in my personal life, it showed up everywhere, but it started in this moment in time where I was molested at age seven and my body carried this sense of panic because I would see this kid that I knew many times and it was just so scary for me and my body didn't feel safe and I just had this crippling sense of disconnect and fear and it was very interesting to have that dream and remember it happening and I wasn't sure if it was a dream or real and I ended up confronting the person and he ended up apologizing and that was when I started to process having been molested as a kid and obviously my parents were like heartbroken that that happened to me and I also know that one out of three women are molested, harassed sexually in some way. And so if you're listening and this is you, my heart goes out to you. I started going to therapy thinking it was about studying abroad, but in retrospect, I started hyperventilating because that memory came back and I didn't know what to do with it. And that was the beginning of me going to therapy. That was the beginning of me healing. And of course, I would go on to have a big sister who would pass away from a drug addiction and so many things that could be a cause of personal anxiety in my life. But I turned to self-help for it and it really got me far. I was able able to stop hyperventilating and it was particularly bad at night because as soon as my head would hit the pillow, I would think a lot. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here. Sorry for the quick interruption. I realize I've been doing this podcast for years and I almost never talk about my ghostwriting and publicity company called Cake Publishing. We have some of the best writers I know writing New York Times bestselling books, writing wording for people's websites, emails, and so much more, as well as publicists who are incredible at getting you on television, whether it's Good Morning America, Today Show, or your local news. And we want to support you. We have been helping influencers, companies, and charities get their words and message out into the world, and we are so inspired by it. So if for some reason you're a business owner or you work with a company that needs a ghostwriter for any reason, a speechwriter, or a publicist to get you out there into the world, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Or you can shoot me an email at ashley at cakepublishing.com. All right, now let's get back to this week's guest. I was able to stop hyperventilating just through talk therapy and through mindset work. Fast forward to now, it's 2021, and things are going pretty well. You know, I have faced a lot of grief from my sister passing away. I have processed the molestation I've written a book that was so beautiful. I am at the height of my career in certain ways. And so things are going well professionally. I have a really good partner. William is such a little angel. You know, I've I've really processed a lot of the grief from my sister's death. Like I'm in a good place. And I started hyperventilating again. And the thing about the hyperventilating for me with anxiety is that it feels so physical. It doesn't feel like I'm thinking about something and suddenly I'm hyperventilating. It feels like I broke my ankle, my ankle's throbbing, and I can't think my way out of my ankle throbbing. That's how the breathing is. It's like, it's so physical. It just happens and I don't know why. So after, you know, 12 years now of me saying, 
you know, talk therapy and talking has helped me process some of the most challenging events of my life. And it's helped me make more of an impact and be helpful and write my book U-Turn and with the intention of helping other people. So I've had so much good from it. And I thought I was kind of done with it. And yet the hyperventilating came back. And it wasn't until recently that I faced a choice. I could keep talking my way out of the breathing problem or I could seek medication. And I really didn't want to seek medication. And I have a lot of friends where that was the best match for them. They needed medication. There was some chemical dysregulation going on in their body and they needed medication to regulate. For me, I thought, I don't need that. And finally, about three weeks ago, I made the decision because my breathing was so bad that I should seek medical support. So I ended up taking anti-anxiety medication. And it was so scary for me to share this with you because it's like, who am I working in self-help to be sharing that I have anti-anxiety medication? But I made this choice because I think ever since, and I think the breathing has come from my diagnosis of Lyme disease because it's a lifelong diagnosis. I know a lot of people who have Lyme disease and the effect that it's had on them, it almost seems like they're like a cancer patient. They're in so much pain. It's awful. And so for me to get this lifelong diagnosis, I started having my hyperventilating problem. My Lyme doctor was like, that level of stress on your body is not good uh, for your Lyme disease. Obviously, I don't want to identify as somebody with a medical issue. I don't want to identify as the I have Lyme disease and it's going to run my life thing. So after kind of looking inward, I decided that this breathing problem I have is a result of some sort of chemical dysregulation that has kind of been offset by the heaviness of finding out that I have a long-term illness. And the last thing I wanted was, you know, my, my illness of Lyme disease has already caused me to be on all sorts of supplements and stuff. And I was like, oh, last thing I need is another pill. But after talking to a psychiatrist about the medication and what it does, research is showing that people who have an actual chemical dysregulation in their body, if you are on anti-anxiety medication for nine plus months, a lot of research is indicating that it permanently has a positive effect on better regulating your anxiety lifelong. So even if you go off the medication, you're in a better place. And I've had such a powerful mind shift being on week three of this and it still feels kind of uncomfortable every night as somebody who has been in the throes of self-help for so many years and I like to think of myself as somebody with a very positive healthy mindset and life um this has been such a great decision for me and I felt like it was so important to get on here and challenge the stigma of taking medication when you have a problem you know, no matter how good my thoughts are, no matter how good my relationship is, no matter how good my business is, I put my head down at night and I was hyperventilating after the Lyme diagnosis. And no matter how good I would have conversations about it, this kept happening. So it takes two to four weeks for the medication to kick in. And I have got to admit to you that I feel, and I was afraid I would feel like someone else or I'd feel medicated and like, I don't know, because I've never done it before. I feel myself and it was so beautiful to, you know, it kicked in probably five, six nights ago to feel like, wow, I'm not hyperventilating right now. And I don't know why I'm not. I guess it's this medication, 
but thank you medication for allowing me to breathe and regulating whatever chemicals in my body were stuck in this chain reaction of making me hyperventilate. And so for those of you out there who are in the throes of depression, of anxiety, and you are trying to meditate your way through it, talk your way through it, change your diet for your way through it, I'm all for it. I think that trying everything is so important. But for those of you out there who are feeling like a sense of being crippled, a sense of, I don't know if I can just talk my way through this. It's, it feels chemical or it's genetic. You look in your family and there's, in your lineage, you see history of bipolar, manic depressive, whatever sorts of mental challenges you see in your lineage. My invitation to you is not to take medication, but to consider it if it's right for you. And I am like so passionate about this right now because it feels so good to feel myself and it feels so important to love yourself, meaning that you give yourself what you need to be well and that we remove the stigma and the shame around medication. And it's interesting because I have a few friends in self-help who are incredible And ever since I've taken this medication and I'm on a very low dose for now and it's totally working for me and it's, you know, obviously I don't love having chemicals in my life, but it's better than hyperventilating and suffocating. And it's just been so interesting for me to see the effect that this has had on me, the regulation I feel, the sense of not being someone else, but just being a calmer, more grounded, healthily breathing version of me has made me think about the friends that I have in my life who I think to myself, wow, they would be a candidate for this medication. They are struggling on such a deep level and they have been in talk therapy forever. Um, We live in a world right now where on a physical level, there is more stressors than ever, meaning there are more toxins in the air, in our food that are causing dysregulation in our body than ever, meaning that with the times we are living in, you know, I read a book called Medical Medium and the guy was, he's a medium, meaning that he is like a psychic for medical issues, I guess is one way I could put it. And he has a lot of healing modalities, like tactical things, like juice you can have every day and stuff like that. He calls the time that we're in right now, the quickening. And I do think we are in a quickening Things are moving really fast and sometimes it feels like our biology is not equipped or endowed with a natural ability to meet the speed at which things are moving. And I think about friends that I have who have billions of dollars in their bank account, billions. Um, And I think about the level of stress, anxiety, and just, you know, pressure that they have on their system. And I just think it's so important that you really take a look at the world we're in, really take a look at yourself, really take a look at your options, do what you can to go the natural route. And when you need help, taking that act of self-love and saying, I need support. So in conclusion, how long will I be on this medication? As long as it feels healthy for me. And uh, I used to think, oh, I'm just going to go on it for a few months. But you know, I don't want it to be like a fireplace with embers that are left if I go off of the medication and my breathing problem comes back. So I really 
want to just play it by ear. And that's how I'm going to love myself is getting support in many ways, getting support from friends in my life when that's the right route, getting support from medicine if that ends up being what my body's chemicals and regulation needs, getting support from a life coach if that feels expansive, just getting support. Don't let your ego be bigger than your soul. So with all of this said, happy May, happy Mental Health Awareness Month, my friends. And if you are struggling, I hope that you send me a DM on Instagram so I could send you some referrals or resources or supports and um, that you can love yourself and get that support you need. All right. Sending you love. Thanks for listening.